Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, we are going to be talking about Regency-era books and movies. And I'm excited because we have a first-time panelist on that's joining us as well who has studied a lot about literature. I'll, I'll let her tell us a little bit when she introduces herself, but I'm very, very excited to have her on. As I mentioned on our Dexter episode, this is something that is not my wheelhouse, so I'm very excited to have so many panelists on because they will help a lot. I do have movies to list, but we're going to be talking basically about books, movies, adaptations, that kind of stuff. So it should be a lot of fun. But before I have my panelists introduce themselves and tell me one thing they're into right now in pop culture, just a quick housekeeping note that we are on Patreon. So if you would like to support what we do, support our live streams, support this, everything, please feel free to go on over there and. For as little as $3 a month, you will get some bonus episodes. Uh, We already have our Lucifer bonus. We have a Freaks and Geeks bonus. Next year, we are going to be covering every single season of American Horror Story because Erin decided she will stay in the Ryan Murphy universe for the rest of her life. (laughs) Also, next April, we're going to be revisiting uh, Michael Murphy. Who the heck is Michael Murphy? Ryan Murphy. So yeah, so he'll never leave me alone. But go to the link in our show notes or to our link tree on any of our social media and support us there. Okay, I'm going to have my lovely panelists introduce themselves and tell me one thing they're into into right now in pop culture. And first time panelist, Jackie, if you want to just tell everyone just a little bit since it's your first time here, just a quick thing of because I know you have your... Tell us what you have your degrees in. Hi, so I'm Jackie Reed, and I have a master's in English literature from the University of Denver, and I'm working on my PhD from the University of of Western Ontario, or Western University, as they like to be called. (laughs) Um, So I'm actually in London, Ontario, not to be confused with London, England. (laughs) Well, I wish I could be because, yeah, like, um, I am a huge fan of all things Regency. I love Austin. I love, um, I love all of the Regency romance novels that are like written now, but set back then. And I love all of the movies and things. So 
And I, I, I managed to work Jane Austen into my MA thesis, even though I was writing about 20th century British writers. And I did my, uh, like, I've just, I've always been a fan of Austen. So I started off going back to grad school thinking, oh, I'm going to specialize in Austen. And then realized that everyone has written on Jane Austen. So I decided, hey, this pool's a little crowded. There's some writers that I like in the 20th century. I'm going to focus on the on the women writing in the 20th century that no one's really paying attention to instead. So that's how I shifted. Um, And the one fandom thing that I'm really into right now is the new Harry Potter tournament of houses that is airing on, um, I think it's Cartoon Network and TBS in the US, but up here it's on the HBO streaming service Crave. And I am really loving that because it's trivia and it's Harry Potter and it's Helen Mirren. And like, what's better than that? You'll have to check out the podcast, Sort of Brilliant, where they take fictional characters and sort them into Harry Potter houses. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rebecca, you're like, did you, you're just too excited. I did not know about this podcast and now I must find it because this is sort of my hobby is sorting (laughs) real people and fictional people into Harry Potter houses. You'll have to, you'll have to find it. Yep. Yep. And the hosts, Lauren and Rachel are going to be on an upcoming Christmas episode next week. So yes. And Meg, what are you into right now? Oh, you don't want to hear a little bit about me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know enough about you. <laughs> Aaron's like, I know enough I'm about kidding. you. Uh, so actually, what I'm into right now is the new Outlander book came out last month. And it I have been waiting for like, I want to say six years for it. And so I've been reading that and I've been torn because I have so many fanfics that I'm like wanting to read really, really badly. But I'm like, you have to finish Outlander first. And I'm also like wanting to savor reading it because I've waited so long and it's going to be so long until the next one. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm halfway through and I'm really excited. It's called Go Tell the Bees That I Am Gone by Diana Gabaldon. Um, It's not Regency. It's a little later than a little earlier than that. It's Revolutionary War era. But I'm going to throw it in there anyway, because I don't care. (laughs) Anything 50 years before the Regency era and 50 years after Regency is fair game in my book. (laughs) (laughs) And Rebecca, who, well, the last one you were on was the Freaks and Geeks bonus episode. Yes. But you haven't been on a regular podcast episode and it feels like forever. It does feel like forever. (laughs) And... That's that's a sign of that I should I should volunteer to be on more episodes because I listen to them all while I'm walking my dog. Oh, well, <laughs> but... thank you for listening to them. <laughs> and then I go, oh man, I should have signed up for this episode. <laughs> so I will say what I am into right now is it is the holiday season, but you also know that I really love my horror films. Uh, I found a there's a series on Netflix, a first season for a Danish show called Elves, which in Danish is Nissen. And I just finished that first season and quite enjoyed it. Uh, for those who are who might be interested, it is 
there is a little bit of blood, but it's really not that gory. So if you're if you're worried that it might be too gory for you, I have described it to people as a Danish love child between gremlins and E.T. So <laughs> it gives me a lot of those like 80s kid sci-fi vibes. And I quite enjoyed it. So people should go check it out. Thank you. And Susie? Hello, hello, hello. Such a pleasure to see and hear everyone. Recently have this habit of going into thrift stores and finding like these really weird like one-off X-Files books. (laughs) And I've found one recently called Ruins. And I've just started reading it, but the summary on the book says that it's Mulder and Scully go to the Yucatan Peninsula to search for a team of missing archaeologists. And so far, it's a really good read. So nobody's spoiling for me yet if you've read it, but so far, it's a good read. And I, I do recommend it. <laughs> I'm like halfway through it now. Awesome. Everybody has recommended stuff that I have not heard of or didn't know much about. That's pretty amazing. No, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I have too long of a list to ever get to any of this stuff probably <laughs> yeah but maybe no, I, just, yeah. I just found these books by pure chance one day when i was That's just thrifted cool. and i don't know if there's audiobook versions there might be so you know also <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's amazing what a find to find stuff like that when you're doing that uh and this is aaron and i watched the movie single all the way that carla recommended actually on our very last episode <laughs> And and Meg and Jackie both were clapping. It's so cute. It's very cute. It's it's very, very cute. So that's on Netflix. It's a Christmas movie. It's very much a Christmas romance love story, except it is between two men, which is something you don't see very often. So it's very nice to see that. Um, so we need more representation in that area in the Christmas movie genre, for sure. So that one's a really cute one. So check that out on Netflix. And I also want to add, I did see West Side Story. I'm very ho-hum about it. I mean, people love it, but I'm like, (sighs) number one, you know, that there's a big, big, big black mark on it because of who's in it. But also just, it's so Romeo and Juliet. I've just never been a West Side Story because I don't like Romeo and Juliet. So, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. I know that's not a recommendation, but I'm just throwing it out there that I did see that one. If people are end up wanting us to review it on something, so <laughs> I won't do it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so let's get into Regency era. Uh, so I want to know first, what was the first book or movie that got you into the genre, Jackie? So for me, it was kind of it was kind of this gradual thing that where. Um, I saw Sense and Sensibility with Emma Thompson came out when I was in high school. So I saw that and I also encountered Jane Eyre and the Scarlet Pimpernel novels. And then I found a Regency romance novel of my mom's in a box in the basement. And so it was kind of this perfect storm of all of those things, encountering all of them together in high school, like primed me that then when I read Pride and Prejudice my freshman year of university, I was just like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. And I just kind of, and then it was just like obsession from there on. Awesome. And Meg? Yeah, it's going to be, it's like, I feel like it's so unoriginal to say, but Pride and Prejudice was, I read it in high school 
um i had started reading like romance novels but they were like 1980s and stuff like that i remember and i read pride and prejudice and i just i i fell in love with it i have honest to god so many like pride and prejudice like sequels and all like 100 percent for my birthday um mal gave me mal and some other friends of mine gave me the new pride and prejudice that has like the handwritten letters in it it's it's amazing yes exactly i see your guys' faces and it's amazing <laughs> and after the call i'll take it out and i will show you because it's that awesome but then but then i started really getting into and i, I read all of austin and stuff like that i'm not a fan of the bronte sisters but they're and they're kind of they're, I feel like they're a little bit on the edge of the Regency era. But for me, again, 50 years, beginning and end, doesn't matter. But then I started really getting into Regency era romances that were written now or 10, 15, 20 years ago because it was so much easier than trying to read a like a modern book that was written in the 80s. So I was like, well, if they're written Regency era, then technology, it's already all so far past and fashion is so far past that it doesn't matter when they wrote it. But yeah, long, short story long, Pride and Prejudice is what really kind of brought me into it because I found Elizabeth Bennett to be just such a huge pain in the ass and also super relatable. Awesome. And Rebecca? I blame Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> so Rebecca's like, last week is when I got into it. <laughs> just last week. I'm a new fan. <laughs> no, so I, I have to preface this by saying that I have, Jackie's one of my bestest friends in the entire world, and I have known her since university. And I had come into university, you know, into my undergrad. I am a Bronte fan. I love Wuthering Heights. You can at me if you want. I will defend that novel. <laughs> I hate that book so much. <laughs> I know people do. I like... <laughs> Oh, I had to read it in school. And I first thought I was like, maybe I hate this because I have to read it for school. And then I read it as an adult. And I was like, nope, I just hate it. Sorry. Let me you just you <laughs> either like Jane Eyre or you like Wuthering Heights, but almost no one likes both. Yeah, I love Jane Eyre. I, I'm sure that's it's not. okay. We'll have another episode where we can have... We can have a Bronte <laughs> sister headbutting. The Bronte but. battles. <laughs> So I kind of came into university going, I'm sure Austin is too girly and too mainstream for me. I like Wuthering Heights and the darkness. <laughs> so. I love, I'm sorry to be interrupting you, but I love her. Like, Austin's too popular. Let me go to Wuthering Heights. Like, no one's ever heard of this book. I'm not saying I was a smart 18 year old. <laughs> But I came in and for one of my like British literature classes, my freshman year of university as a wee English major, we had to read Persuasion. And this was actually the first Austen novel that I read. And I kind of went, this is sort of depressing. <laughs> I'm like, why? And I, I didn't really get it. Uh, Jackie convinced me that I should read Pride and Prejudice. And I also was, this was probably about the time that I realized that one of my favorite movies growing up, Clueless, was based on Austin's Emma. And yes, so I, I acquiesced <laughs> and I have been a 
fangirl ever since. Awesome. We'll have to have a debate sometime. Um, Susie, <laughs> what got you into it? <laughs> Weathering Heights? <Yes>. No. <laughs> no. When I was a wee child, again, thrifting is how most of some of my stories start. I found this humongous collection, like this big book, like bigger than me as a child. That was just full of all of Jane Austen's stories. And I remember grabbing it and taking my purse and like, can I have this please? Because brain, my brain just saw a big book and was like, let's have this. It's a big book. It'll be a good read. <laughs> and uh, one of the first ones in the book was, of course, Pride and Prejudice. And from then on, it just snowballed <laughs> from this book. It went to the movie with Keira Knightley and then all like the subsequent different like movies and adaptations and shows and I was like oh man I'm in deep now <laughs> there's, no, there's no going back <laughs> but yes like a like a really thick book is what got me into the Regency verse awesome awesome well like I said this isn't my favorite genre but I do want to say I I I do like Sense and Sensibility, the 1995 Emma Thompson one. I do actually, and Kate Winslet. I do actually really love that movie. So I, I do want to say that. I've got a couple other that I'll wait <laughs> to mention. So I do like those. And I always love Clueless, you know. You know, so I like that version of Emma. And my sister's name is Emma. So every time I hear anything about that, I just think of my sister. So, yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on. I just want to know a few of your favorite books, like maybe what you're top three are jackie okay this is hard but definitely the the like the top one my favorite the the regency author who i would like to be when i grow up and i finish my romance novel i want to be julia quinn uh she is my absolute fave and my favorite book by her the book that got me hooked on like i didn't encounter her books in order i encountered it's in his kiss uh which is like the seventh book in the bridgerton series i encountered that one first i think because i found it at a used bookstore uh because again like like susie i love used bookstores i love just like randomly finding books and especially up here in Canada, books are so expensive from the bookstore. Like it makes me cry sometimes. But Julia Quinn's It's in His Kiss because it acknowledges I'm a romance novel. I'm ridiculous. But let's come along and have some fun with me. And it's totally tongue in cheek. And there's all these like postmodern metafictional like techniques going on where she's like talking to the reader and like making all these like references that um that just like they're not they're they're anachronistic to the time period but that's okay because we're on this journey and it, we're just having fun with it um so that is one of my favorite books and then like her all of her books are amazing and then stephanie lauren's her bastion club series is amazing i love the history and um and like it's so it's so obviously well researched and yeah they're also like great stories where it's like a spy novel and a romance all in one so those are awesome and then my third favorite author is tessa dare and again she she has this like light-hearted fun 
that just and I love her her heroines are always spunky and awesome and you I just want to be friends with them like yes you you seem like someone I could just be best friends with so yes I will read your story and and go with you along the way so those are my top three for like contemporary writers awesome awesome and I love watching everybody's faces during this to be <laughs> it's that's why I like doing some of the ones where I'm not involved in it because it's just cool to see how everybody just loves this the stuff that they're passionate about so meg what are yours oh so weathering heights yes uh Heights is like i am very passionate about that book um it means a lot to me actually the funny thing i I think of weathering heights now and i think of actually monty python because they did this skit and weathering heights as part of it and with the the flags because they're talking about like doing these historical pieces of work in like semaphore. 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 And like I am a huge signals. Monty Python fan. I know exactly yeah. the skit you're talking about. Oh that's all fun. I can yes. All I can think of now. Oh Catherine. Same. Oh same. same. That's all I can think of when I think of Wuthering Heights now is Monty Python. So I mean I guess that's a good thing going for it. Um so other like I love Julia Quinn. Um, the Bridgerton series is just and, and exactly for what you're saying, it's just fun and it's fluff. It's just you know what you're in for with it. And I and I talked a lot about how I like to read historical romances because it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter when they were written. The time period doesn't change more than reading older modern setting books. What I I didn't hear though, yay for me, I looked this up right now. Um, Catherine Coulter writes a series called the Shearbrook series and there's like 11 books in this series and it's basically about like the men and women brothers it's kind of the same thing as Bridgerton in that it kind of follows one family and their their romances um and what I love really like about that stuff is I am a sucker for enemies to lovers and almost all of these books is like oh I fell off my horse we had to spend the night in a cabin and nothing happened but it doesn't matter now we have to get married and I love it because you get like the hate and anger and then you still get like the sex because of course they're both super hot. Like it doesn't go any other way. So I really, really like that. And, and I will, and I, we, I know we talked a lot about Austin. I really do. I love Emma. That's one of my faves outside of, of Pride and Prejudice. And I, yeah, I mentioned this too. I really like these Pride and Prejudice sequels. Like, are they good? Not always. Um, but I love the ones where they're like Pride and Prejudice from Darcy's point of view and and that kind of stuff. Like, I love it. They're not always great. My sister has gotten in this habit of anytime she sees them at a garage sale, she buys them for me. So I have like 30. And I think it like Mr. Darcy Takes a Wife might be my favorite one. It's like three times as long as Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> but it's good. I like it. I don't know. <laughs> I love that one. Absolutely yeah. love that one. It's so good. It's but then you read another one, and I think it's like the other one is like Mr. Darcy's Secret or something, or Darcy's Diary or something like that. Anyway, I'm, I'm prepared. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that, <laughs> I am here and ready. <laughs> well, because Jackie said a lot of the ones, and I'm like, oh shit. And uh, Lindsay Sands is another author. She only she's only written a few Regency era ones. But I like them. And again, it follows the same kind of formula of they have to get married. It's a marriage of convenience. And then they fall in love. And and I don't know why I like that so much, but I, I really do. 
Awesome. And Rebecca. <laughs> I I do like a, a good enemies to lovers trope, but I'm an even bigger sucker for friends to lovers, which might be why Emma is, as much as I love Pride and Prejudice, and it is a work that is well worthy of its place in the literary canon, and everybody should read it. Emma is a place very close to my heart. I've always said if I was a, if I were to be written as a character in Jane Austen's, you know, universe, I'm Emma. <laughs> like for all of her flaws, and I love her for all of her flaws. And Jackie's like, yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> I know this. One of the the book series that I really love from the Regency era is uh, Lauren Willig's The Pink Carnation series, which if you haven't read it, it again, it combines like espionage of the Napoleonic Wars with Regency era romance and that is all i want <laughs> in this world <laughs> it's and it's it's there are a lot of fun and there's a it's a whole series so you have a lot of characters with a lot of different types of romance stories to tell there there is some sex in the books for those that <laughs> are scandalized by that oh <laughs> but, <laughs> Uh, I, I I say that because I recommended them to a friend of mine and she was like, I like the stories. She's like, but do they have to have all those sex scenes? <laughs> I was like, I didn't think there were that many sex scenes compared to some other Regency era romance novels, but okay. But those don't a- even get shelved in the romance section. Like don't have enough smut to be in the romance section. Right. Right. That's amazing. <laughs> Like, that's why I want him to get married right away so they can bone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. What, in one of the novels, like, the reason behind their, like, sudden quick wedding is because your protagonist, whose name I'm totally blanking on right now, it's in The Deception of the Emerald Ring. And she thinks her older sister is going to run off with the dude in the middle of the night. And so, like, she basically, like, climbs into the carriage instead to, like, stop him but she's in her nightgown which is not appropriate and like she gets out of the cabin like he and his buddies are all there uh, out of the cab out of the you know uh carriage and it's like oh no well you have to get married now he's seen you in a state of undress <laughs> and it's amazing i'm like yes <laughs> we can it's a thin premise, but I'll take it. Just inject that shit in my veins. <laughs> exactly. I, I should mention that this this has a love the the novels also have a lovely storytelling device where it is told like from the perspective of a it is told through a framing device of a student who is getting her PhD, I think, in history. Yes. Jackie is nodding. Yes, she's getting her PhD in history. And so she is trying to trace the, find the true identity of one of these spies known as the Pink Carnation, who was never unmasked. And that is how she ends up going through all of these stories from archival letters and other material that she finds. So you go back and forth and she has her own romance story that's, that's going on. 
which I know a lot of other people who've read the novels are like, oh, I really love her storyline sometimes even more than the the historical part. And I'm like, nah, skip her. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's fine. <laughs> but no, give me back to the give me back to the Regency era. I don't care what you're doing in Oxford in 2015. And Susie, what are some of your favorites? Oh, well, Pride and Prejudice will always have like a very special place in my heart. It, it was the diving off point. <laughs> but one of my other top favorites that was written by the queen of sci-fi is Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. The ultimate goth queen as well. Oh, I just, I love, I love her so much. Oh my God. Can I tell you how much I love Mary Shelley and how much I love yes, her? Can we talk about this? Yes, Let's can we talk about a that? moment. <laughs> Let's take a moment. She is the queen. Just fabulous and like amazing ooky ooky kooky and just yes excuse us while we vibe a little bit excuse us while we vibe a little bit um thank you so much for saying that Susie. i hadn't even like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was like i don't know if it sounds i'm gonna sneak it in i'm just gonna fly it under the radar (laughs) 50 years before and after man maybe the (laughs) Um, but also <laughs> and another kind of book that I like I don't think anyone has mentioned yet um, or not like not many people that I know know about it too is it oh hold on I always mix up the, the, the list of the name I think it's Mr. Malcolm's List about um, so basically it's about a woman who who gets rejected by Mr. Malcolm, because he has like this list of requirements that a potential bride has to meet. And so she gets so mad. She like tells her friend, she's like, hey, you got to help me get revenge on this guy for being an asshole. (laughs) And her friend's like, yeah, of course, I'll help you. And, you know, things devolve into romance from there. (laughs) I love how we keep like these are I could this could be any one of like 50 books that we've talked about yeah. all being in all the same. Cause like, I know I haven't read the pink carnation series, but I know for a fact, I read about a girl in a shift in a carriage and then getting out and being seen by the men folk and having to be wed because of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that is like, the when standard. you're working and writing within this like era and within this genre. Yeah. You've like, your options are kind of like limited. Like how do, how do I get them into this position? Yeah, so kidnapped that, by pirates and fall in love with one of them. Kidnapped by pirates. <laughs> like, you were caught what would today be considered having a very chaste kiss, but that is too much. Now you must be engaged and very quickly married. <laughs> Not even that. It's like our elbows slightly grazed. Oh no, she is ruined forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we must wed her to preserve the family name. Yes. I also like the ones though where they have a bit more agency. Like there I can't I can't for the life of me remember which book this was, but it was one that my one of my other good friends recommended to me because it starts off with the main character trying to get someone to take her virginity. Um I can't remember the reason why, but she's like doing that in the first chapter. And it's not even the guy who ends up being the hero of the novel. And like, it's so different because so many of them, like there's only like, she has to remain chaste until 
she finds the one guy but in this one no she doesn't and it's okay and like so i like when they even even though i like the i like the tropes the regency tropes i do like when authors play around with those tropes and mm -hmm. don't just follow them um yeah. Well, and yeah, Strictly. my inner my inner feminist like cringes every time I'm like, oh no, they have to get married because she has like, but I, I just yeah, the bigger part of me just doesn't care. I don't know why. Like I know it's messed up. Oh yeah, but I don't care. I just want to read about it. I just want to read women yeah. in pretty dresses falling in love. Let's ignore all the problems with the Regency era, and all <laughs> of the strife and all, and just give me the pretty pretty dresses and it's, handsome it's an escapist fantasy world and mm -hmm. so it's it's not we're not we're not reading about the literal regency it's a fantasy world it's one of the mm -hmm. reasons i like bridgerton because the way and the way that they've done bridgerton in the tv show is like acknowledging this is not the real regency mm -hmm. it's regency yeah. fantasy yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's pretty dresses and dancing and witty banter. And I love the combination of the witty banter and the pretty dresses because we don't get any of that in real life. Well, and, and especially when you look at the Bridgerton, there is something very, very sexy in the restraint and, and the forbiddenness of like brushing your hands to oh, with each other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's part of the big draw, at least as, as a woman reading these books or consuming this type this genre of media especially when so much contemporary romance the physical like intimacy is just a given and it's not a it's not as much a taboo and therefore mm -hmm. it's not a big deal to say like have your characters kiss have them go to bed right together right away and so I think that there is something really appealing about how do you show these characters really falling in love when them even holding hands is yeah. not to be done or like that's a big step. And I see this, I actually see this a lot in Korean, uh, a lot of Korean dramas, which I think, yes, I see Susie nodding where like, when I like when I watch them, I'm like, come on, just kiss already, just kiss already. But they can't. Or it's not like appropriate for that, you know, mm -hmm. audience to do so. And there's so, like there, there's a lot of beauty in having that restraint in as a as a part of this fictional world to say like, all right, like he can't just like kiss her right now. She can't just you know throw herself go into walk his arms. In the garden. <laughs> yes, like we'll go walk in the garden, like. And that, it makes it so much more satisfying than when they actually do kiss, when they do get into, like, go to bed together where you're like, yes, I finally get it. It's the anticipation and the foreplay and the, it's yeah, like it's, foreplay. It's kind of like, <laughs> it the, is. like exotic yeah. erotic factor of it all. Cause like, yeah. cause yeah, you can see, like you can turn on like any show nowadays and get like any type of scenes where uh, two leads are able to be like, practically intimate with each other from the get rats like in regency writing or regency set fiction it's more like it's it's the push and pull the sea and the beach and the whatever this this tides the, the pulling in and the receding the intricate dance of flirtatious wit and all this like yes thank you 
Yeah. Right, I'll take this, please. Yeah. See, men, are you paying? <laughs> exactly. Well, For I mean, all the dudes who are like, why do girls get so into this? I'm like, because it is yeah. not just about seduction of the body. There is a, in these era of like fiction, there is a seduction of the mind. That has and it's, happen. and the I feel like it's cleanse. so, Let's yes, it's forget. so much more um, female gaze centered, I feel like. And we talk about the hand clench, so, and that's in the Kira Knightley 2005 Pride and Prejudice, where he, like, Darcy puts her in a carriage and he walks away and he, like, flexes his hand. And there, and it's, and I see this gif all the time and it's just really sexy. And it's just his hand, it's just flexing his hand. And men do not seem to understand why that's sexy. But every woman, like, I'm looking at all of you, every single woman is like, yeah, I get why why that's sexy and and it's like the restraint in the books is like the female gaze in print basically because mm -hmm. in a way yeah. it even feels a little bit more like naughty and intimate it's just seeing those like glimpses of mm -hmm. of kind of desire and you're just like oh oh my oh okay okay let's see where this is going <laughs> And it's yeah. it's it tends to be the the especially the contemporary stuff that's going that's coming out now tends to be more sex positive for women, and it's the it all like it gives them more permission to exist sexually, whereas that has often been condemned or seen as like something to be feared. And it still is. I mean, there's still like the, the internet is still a horrible place for women at times, oftentimes. Like I was doing research on that for my dissertation, which is completely different from this era, but it's still like it's present. And so like, for like I've had friends who are like why do you read these romance novels and that's one of the reasons I do is I like I like that spunky somewhat anachronistic feminist heroine trope that and those are the ones that I go towards like I I I'm less interested in, like in the ones where the woman doesn't have agency I I want I want my female I want my regency characters with agency. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like we've talked about before on here that there there is something to be said to be able to have you know women are sexual beings too. We're sexual beings too, and we like to watch stuff that that speaks to that. And I think too often people think that that's just a a male thing or male identifying thing. But it's not. So whenever we're able to find that, I think it's I mean, and even though this isn't my genre, still, I understand that where the, there is something appealing about that or the anticipate. I mean, we talked a lot about when we talked about we talked about that in our women in eroticism episode earlier this year as well, because it's like there is something appealing more so from I mean, I've seen pornography and we talked about that and that, too. But erotic movies and eroticism there's something totally different in that than there is in pornography because it's so much more about the about satisfaction and titillation and it's also about you know not just the man getting off but the woman getting off and that's something we don't see that often but yeah, yeah. And i think so, there's a difference between sensual and sexual yeah that too mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. and and sensual always seems to feel like it's more focused on women than sexual very very true yep Okay, well, now we're going to talk about favorite movies. So, Jackie, what are three of your favorite movies? 
Okay. So, um, of course, the Pride and Prejudice with Colin Firth. What that was that was the thing that like I read Pride and Prejudice and I saw that movie and it was like okay this is over this is my new favorite thing in the entire world and I still go back to that movie like if I'm having a bad day that is one of my like fix a bad day movies I also love the new Emma the one that just came out during the pandemic or just before the pandemic yeah during the pandemic because I paid for a home premiere of it like the costuming in that is the best Regency costuming I have seen bar none. And then I love Bridgerton. I know it's not a movie. It's a TV series, but I was so happy with Bridgerton. Like I know there's issues and nothing's perfect. They tried some things. They did. They didn't get everything right the first time, but I like the fact that they allowed it to, they didn't turn it into a rom-com with no sex in it. Like, I was worried they were going to do that because bringing it to Netflix and they kept it. And I'm so like, uh, I want, I want the next season. I need, I need the next season. I need the Paul mall. And just to, th- just to throw, I'm sneaking this one in pride and prejudice and zombies. I love that. I, like girls in Regency dresses kicking ass. I mean, seriously, there's nothing better. I loved watching Susie's reaction to that when you said that. She's I knew going to make Susie excited. And Meg. Okay, so this, yes, Pride and Prejudice, BBC version. Um, honestly, any if you're wanting to look at any Austin or anything like that, go to the BBC version miniseries. They are all amazing. Emma, and, and this is not a book, or I'm not a book, not a movie. It is the miniseries, the 2009, I want to say, with Jenny Lee Miller as Mr. Knightley. I love it. Like, it's four parts. I, it's four hours long. I do not care. I'm feeling sad or hungover or whatever. I'll put this on because Jenny Lee Miller is, I love Mr. Knightley probably more than Mr. Darcy. He does not get enough credit. He does, he does not. not get enough credit. Agreed. He's always wonderful. Knightley's kind of an asshole for, or Knightley, Darcy's kind of an asshole for 90% of the time. <laughs> I also love Darcy though, which is why I love Anthony so much in Bridgerton. And everyone's like, why do you love Anthony? I'm like, because he's amazing. He's a dick. What's not to love? I know, I'm amazing. <laughs> Death Comes to Pemberley is another little mini series. That is another little offshoot. And it's really fun. That was in 2013. was a good adaptation. And not in Austin. Um, I actually really liked The Duchess with Keira Knightley. Like, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I really liked it. It's, it was very sexy. There was a lot of this forbidden romance. I like, I, I talk with my hands a lot. A lot of this forbidden romance and stuff to it. And I'll keep it to to three this time except to say yes i 100 love bridgerton i there's some really problematic shit in it the book and the show still love it <laughs> <laughs> and rebecca i agree about bridgerton and honestly there were a lot of things that i i'm i'm glad that some of that problematic shit is in there though because i think regency era fiction whether it's truly written in the regency era or it is you know contemporary uh and set in the our regency era of like fantasy world 
is frequently written off as it is just ladies fluff and it is totally harmless or or it's expected to be like sex free in some cases and therefore like totally appropriate um so i'm glad that some of that stuff is in there because i it's prompted some interesting conversations and i've read some really great think pieces about it so and i thoroughly enjoyed watching bridgerton i love it and i put it like i will sit there in my living room and watch it and my husband comes in and he goes oh god you're watching this again and i'm like shut up it's mine <laughs> i'm really jealous you get to watch it in your living room because i have a 13 year old and a nine year old so i have to like hide away in my bedroom and then my husband will see me watching he's like oh and i'm like no this is just where the door shuts <laughs> i have to say my my sidekick he watched the whole series with me and he actually and he conceded at the end he's like that was he's like he enjoyed it he actually really enjoyed it and he loved he liked watching it with me my husband will, always yeah, managed to walk say. in in the sex scenes yeah <laughs> Like, I'm like, do you time it? <laughs> I'm frequently, and um, one of the, the things we can talk about later is a Regency era, like Austin Regency area, like role-playing game that Jackie and I play together called The Good Society, in which I will ask my husband, like, hey, Grant, husband person, you know lots about history and guns. <laughs> Tell me. Would he have died from this gunshot if it's here during this duel? Yes, because like, they didn't have penicillin. Yes. <laughs> and he'll go, well, okay, so in the military at that time, this would have been, um, yeah, he like th these would be the bullets that they were using. No, he did. <laughs> and no um, one washed their hands. Yeah, no one yeah. washed their hands. <laughs> Um, one of the, I, I also love the most recent Emma. I absolutely, I am, a, I am a, as I've mentioned, I'm a huge Emma fan girl. And so I thought that that is one of the best adaptations that I've, I've seen. I love how they did Mr. Knightley in that movie. I love the costumes in it. Uh, and it's, it's pretty close to the book. I can't think of very many like big deviations from it. Uh, I will plug, though, another Regency era movie that this was not a it's not an Austin uh, film, but it is actually a French like Franco-Belgian film called Return of the Hero that is fantastic. Uh, it is a comedy. It If Jane Austen were writing it, this would be considered a farce. But there's mistaken identity. There's plenty of sex. And it's one of the things that when I, I watched this movie with some friends of mine and another one of them is a very big uh, Regency era fan. And one of the things that comes up is the married women having lots of extramarital affairs. And I was like, you know, I hadn't thought about that, that especially the way marriage worked at the time, once you were married and there was no longer an expectation that you were a virgin yeah, there were probably a lot of women that were like, hey, you're visiting from out of town. Nobody else here knows you. Sup? <laughs> and I was like, you know, and as long as they were, yeah. That's well, why there were house parties. Mm -hmm. You said the message. People sneaking into other rooms. Are still awake. <laughs> Are still awake. Key parties, those were the key parties of the day. Of that yeah. Time. 
Well, that's kind of what like that comes up in this in this movie. This idea that like he's this dashing, you know, guy from basically from out of town that is but all the married ladies are like dude i i want to i want to get with him <laughs> because and i was like yeah i guess if it, as long as you're married if you got pregnant everybody would just assume it's your husband's so and there's no expectation that you're a virgin anymore so it's it's only a problem if you don't have the heir and the spare and you're married to a titled a titled gentleman mm-hmm. like and once you provided the heir and the spare he doesn't care <laughs> I, I love that rhyme. That's that should be the motto. The heir and the spare don't care. <laughs> if you got the heir and the spare, your husband don't care. Well, and, and yeah, love matches were such a rare thing. Yeah, in especially like higher society, like it, it, I think Mansfield Park, the movie or whatever, was talking about how another Johnny Lee Miller was talking about how poor people get to marry for love, rich people don't get to marry for love, and affairs were pretty rampant. in higher society regency another thing that doesn't like you know again there's this perception of what regency era romance should be that it should all be very proper and very like chaste when the reality was not that (laughs) at all in history but yes i i recommend people go find return of the hero i think it might still be on amazon prime it's also laugh out loud hilarious I, I was sitting there cackling in my living room. <laughs> awesome. And Susie? Oh, yes. I think recently one of one that has become a slight favorite of mine is, of course, Bridgerton. And a, a funny story about that, actually. So my mother and I are suckers for costumes, <laughs> like period era costumes, no matter what different period it is. And we saw it on Netflix. We just saw, like, one of the ball scenes, and we're like, oh, this will be really fun to watch. And we binged that sucker. And the funny part is, is that my dad binged it with us. <laughs> and he hates us. And he hates Regency Era. Or like any type of stuff. Unless it has like a lot of action. But he was watching it with us unexpectedly. <laughs> and we're all making commentary. And oh my god. I'm just... I also just want to say that um, I did have to fast forward through the sex scenes. <laughs> we were watching it um, via an iPad that we had hooked up to the TV. So I was like the iPad DJ. <laughs> just, just fast forward. <laughs> we would watch it and then my mom would be like, oh, they're kissing. They're going to fuck. You need to move this. You need to skip this scene. <laughs> And I'd be like, okay, are they done now? Are they done? Oh, they finished. Okay, great. Let's continue. That's funny. And you know, most people have... rewind the sex scenes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking that when season two comes around, I'm probably going to have to DJ again. <laughs> but oh my God, just whenever I just I tell that story, it's just hilarious to me. <laughs> That we all just binged it in one night. But one of my top favorites, I always talk about it. Erin can attest to this because she's probably sick of hearing about it. But Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies is my jam. Like, yes, one of my comfort movies. It's just, it's so good. Just Lizzie Bennett being a badass fighting zombies. Her and um, 
So the whole speech that she has with Darcy where he proposes and she turns him down in the movie, it's a fighting scene. They're sparring and it's so good. You're just like, oh, yes, let's. I was just like, oh, yeah, let's transition this into fucking let's do it. Come on, guys. Come on. The energy is there. It is palpable. I was like, ah. Oh, so I go feral. feral. Oh, so good. So good. I go feral. It's great. <laughs> Love it. I really yeah. wish we would, ha- we would have gotten more movies. Just start um, fucking so I can fast forward do- through the <laughs> No, those I watch alone. I'm like, this is be just for me. No, I kid you not. I sit there with like a cup of tea and I'm like, ooh. Well, Bridgerton came out Christmas Day, and I remember my kids had opened all of their gifts and they were playing. And I was just like, all right, I'm going upstairs to watch yeah, Bridgerton. You're like, you opened your gifts, let me open mine. <laughs> yeah, I had to wait until I got home from visiting my sidekick's family because we were up in Northern Ontario visiting them. And I was like, yeah, so you guys are not going to want to watch this. I had to wait till I get home. Um, but it's <laughs> there was another one who was gonna mention. All right, Emma. <laughs> Johnny Emma. One of the few good things to come out of that year. <laughs> it's available to watch on HBO Max right now for those interested. But yes, the costuming in that is like mm, chef's kiss. It's so good. It's also like I think for the most part, very accurate to the time as well, which I'm just like, hmm, good soup. Good stuff. Yes, it is unlike of- Bridgerton, which has corsets. Like, yes. I oh, love the show. Oh my but- god. Corsets Let's were not a corsetry nonsense. <laughs> I'm like, have you never yeah. read any of these romance novels? Like, the ones that are researched, they were in stays at most, but yeah, their corsets were not a thing. Don't complain about tight lacing. That wasn't a thing. I could squeeze into an orange and a half. This I'm was like, all yeah. about empire waistlines. At yeah, time. the whole point of that <laughs> is that you don't have to lay tight lace. Like, they're just wearing stays like we wear bras. That's it. Yeah. Something that cracked me up like consistently throughout Bridgerton was like you would see all the female leads and their boobs would be like up to here. And you're just like, oh, well, then yes, you can balance your cup of tea there. Yes. <laughs> As Susie demonstrates. <laughs> there are more than like four Regency movies out there, but we're all limited to three. Uh, <laughs> I realized I forgot one that I should have mentioned. Which one? Bell. Oh uh, yes, that's a good one. And it's yes, amazing yes. because it is it is one of the few like it it, sh- it it's one of the few that's actually representative, bringing it like it has a, a a black girl as the lead, which you don't usually see in these historical films, and it's so it's amazing for that, but it's also just an amazing story, and it's it's Regency and it's it's a little more historical, but it was really well done, and I realized. Uh, like halfway through, I was like, "Oh shoot, I forgot that one." <laughs> it's and it's based on a true story. Yeah. Like, yes. This was a girl of color that became part of the gentry. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and her story is amazing. I did not realize that there was a film for it. Yeah. yeah like, there's a there's a film, and it's really good. Rebecca's um, like, I know what I'm doing when we're done. <laughs> yep. 
There's also uh, a really good video. Um, there's like this mini series on YouTube where a fashion historian recreates um, dresses and clothes from different portraits. And one of the episodes she focuses on recreating a dress of bells from one of her portraits. And it's, it's, I really recommend watching it. Um, I think it's called fashion history or fashion in history. Um, I'll look it up and then I'll, I'll, I'll see. <laughs> so I want to make sure I hit the name right. I love, I love the his, the history fashion YouTube channels. Like I've become obsessed with them since I discovered them, that there are people out there making these clothes from original patterns and stuff. It's one of my favorite things to like, just get lost in when I'm like, not when I should, when I'm procrastinating on my dissertation, this is what I do. I'm like, Ooh, you're making a Victorian dress. You're making a Regency. Just call it research. Just call it research. (laughs) Then you can do it. There you go. I'm not uh, writing on the Regency anymore. I wish I were. Yeah, okay. Just say you are. I know, right? Yeah. I watched. I watched a. Um, I'm I watched a video where they where someone was cre- recreating Regency shoes from a pattern. It was amazing. I can't remember. I I feel so bad. I can't remember who it was. Um, but it was absolutely amazing. Someone will find it in months now. Uh, well, I actually have three that not as one of them was we mentioned earlier, and that was Sense and Sensibility from 1995. Now, another one is a 1991 movie called Impromptu. I don't know if anybody else has watched this movie. I'm like, wow, I'm actually <laughs> Meg. Meg's watched it. Um, but this is about Chopin, played by Hugh Grant. And um, it's a love story between Chopin and George Sand, played by Judy Davis. And um, there's also Mandy Patinkin is in it, Bernadette Peters, Julian Sands. And I've just always, Emma Thompson was actually in this one too. I've just always loved this movie. Uh, It was one of the few that I really, really got into, like the love story. And they have really good chemistry. And I just, I think it's really fun to watch. And then another movie that I was kind of surprised didn't get mentioned, and I can't remember what year this was from, but Bright Star. Did anyone see Bright Star from 2009? That is currently on my list on Netflix, and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, I actually really, really loved this one. This was like recommended to me by a few people because this isn't, like I said, my usual genre, but this is like totally was up my alley, and I can't explain why, but it just like, I just really loved it with Abby Cornish and Ben Wishaw and somebody that doesn't get nearly enough attention, even though I know people did not like him in the first season of Parks and Rec. I don't care. Paul Schneider, he doesn't get any credit for anything. I think he's actually a really terrific actor. <laughs> I swear to God, I thought you were going to say <laughs> Phil TikTok. Was what like I'm sitting here listening to you talk about how underrated this actor is. I was like, she is gonna, she's she's gonna bring it around to Finn Wittrock again, isn't she? No, there's no way I can really do that. But <laughs> I could have found. I actually, yes, here, Meg, you challenged me to do this, so now I will. Susie, one of the outfits in that locating Silver Lake, total Regency era that he wears. You should, you would. Yeah, you don't <laughs> the know. outfits you would you would die. <laughs> but no, I did not. 
Finn Wittrock, to my knowledge, has not appeared in any Regency area of media. <laughs> no, I think on stage he he has. He probably would love to, but no, not to my I, knowledge. Like you, I, I, it was, and it's just, it's like a trauma response for me. Trauma, jeez. <laughs> just like I don't know if I'm ready to me. see Finn in sideburns or like the mutton those chops. mutton chops. I don't know if I'm ready for that. That long hair in those pictures was too much for me. So. That wasn't my fault, everybody. I'm blaming that on Meg. <laughs> it was Meg's fault completely. You've so. conditioned me. <laughs> okay, so I want to know, I know a lot of these probably were already mentioned in what you were saying were your favorite movies, but if you have any that weren't in those, are there others that are your favorite? <laughs> Meg's nodding yes. So Jackie, are there ever other favorites that are your favorite adaptations? Yes, so... Bride and Prejudice, which is the Bollywood version of Pride oh, yeah. and Prejudice. I love that. Like it's it's so like 1980s musical like Grease or Dirty Dancing or something, but I love it. It it just it makes me happy. And Clueless, of course, which was already mentioned, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, all those are already mentioned. But I actually one of the things that I like is seeing interesting adaptations not movies or films so good society the role-playing game it's basically dungeons and dry uh, dungeons and dragons except that you are built you're creating your own jane austen romance novel and you get like there's you get like it doesn't have the dice and stuff but you're you're building this story you're you're building characters and it's world building and i love it and, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that I really like, uh, it's one of the things that got us through the lockdowns was meeting weekly online to do the to do this role playing game. And the other one another thing I love, I, I got really into the graphic novel adaptations of Jane Austen's novels that were coming out in the early teens. Um, I have not all of them, but I have a number of them and I love I love the combination of like the different kinds of art and also like these, these stories that I love and getting to see them. And I like the fact that there's um, more of the original story comes through often in the adaptations, but uh, the graphic novel adaptations than in the movies, but you still get this visual element that you don't get in the original works themselves. And so I like them as kind of this like, intermediate like intermediate medium that comes in between the two and doesn't and like has some different gives so it gives a little bit best of some of both of the worlds for those like meg said i like like meg i have been obsessed with finding adaptations of um pride and prejudice uh like um that I got to a point where like I had to start like I had to just stop reading the really bad ones like I like I got rid of them and I found a few authors I'm just like okay note to self this author's this author's Pride and Prejudice rewrites are never good don't buy them uh, <laughs> uh, but I there was there was a really good three-parter that was from that was from Darcy's point of view and it was retelling the story the whole pride and prejudice but from darcy's perspective and it really it it really made him le like it really helped bring him to life and make him less of a dick 
Yeah, I like those when it's just like, he just, he's like, he has really bad anxiety, you guys. He's not an asshole. He just doesn't like social situations. <laughs> yeah. There's also a, a Darcy, uh, there's also a, Pri a Pride and Prejudice vampires where Darcy, Darcy and Elizabeth are, one of them is a vampire. Um, it's, it's, it's not great, but like it's actually better written than you would expect for what it was. And <laughs> I look at Susie's face. I know Susie's <laughs> looking for it right now. <laughs> I have it somewhere, so I have to look it up. I can't remember what it's called. It might it's like it, it might not be here. It might be in my parents' attic where half my books are. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a, it was actually better than I expected it to be. <laughs> and Meg, what are some of your favorite? Okay, so I really enjoyed more than I thought uh, the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. This little it's a web series. Um, I can't remember when it came out, but it was it was a while ago. It was kind of a newer when the web series were kind of a new thing, and it's just basically this girl Lizzie Bennett has a YouTube channel basically, and and just kind of talks about and you watch the story kind of happen that way, and it's really an interesting take on it, and I think it's a way a great way to make it a little bit more accessible to younger readers or younger viewers and stuff like that, and to give them that interest, and then they'll likely read the book because at least they have a framework about what's going to be happening. Bridget Jones's Diary, both the book and the movie, love that adaptation. I. Colin Firth is enough. Like Colin Firth is enough for me to love it because he is Mr. Darcy. In my opinion, there is no other Mr. Darcy. It's Colin Firth. That's it. Sorry, Matthew McFadden. You were awesome as well. I promise. But Mr. Mr. Darcy is Colin Firth and Renee Zellweger is just great. Bridget Jones. She, she Bridget is so relatable and so fun. And her family is just as ridiculous in different ways. And I absolutely love it. Don't worry about the second movie. Just the first. That's all you need is the first one. And these aren't strictly, I don't think they're strictly Regency era, but they're in my little time frame. Poldark is one that I really like. I haven't finished it, but I, I'm enjoying the show. Um, Jane Eyre, the movie with Michael Fassbender. That was really sexy. Like that whole movie was so sexy and Michael Fassbender is so sexy. That was a good one. Yeah. I'm like, isn't he supposed to be kind of ugly? Mm. <laughs> anyway, um, and of course Outlander, which again, where I am in Outlander, it's 1789. So it's close enough. We'll take it. It's Georgian, but it's close enough. I don't care. Um, and there was another one that I don't think anyone has really heard about and i do want to say that i love sense and sensibility with emma thompson i, I didn't put it in there because i knew that's something that aaron probably wanted to talk about and the whole story of how that came to be is also amazing where they're like emma they told emma thompson that she was too old to play uh miss dashwood so they wouldn't cast her so she says you know what fuck you guys i'm gonna make it myself and she did and it's amazing how very dare they right how <laughs> dare you you do not tell Emma Thompson what role she can and cannot play. In 1995. Like, how could you? She was, and she was gorgeous. I don't care. Anyway, uh, and then Lost in Austin is a really kind of cute adaptation that it's not even an adaptation necessarily. She basically falls in a closet and goes back to time and switches places with Lizzie with Elizabeth Bennett. And it's I just love that one. 
It's so fun. And Austin lands another one. That's what I, I'm sorry. I can't only do three. I'm so sorry. I can't do it. It's you. I'm, I'm, it's okay. I'm used to. <laughs> I, I've done such a good job sticking to three. It's true. <laughs> for the most part, this is like my jam. And I also wanted to mention there is a dating show, a Regency era dating show called Regency House from 2004. And they have to date as if it's the Regency era. And they have like a gentleman's club and everything like that too, where the men can go and, and be all, and all the women aren't really constrained. Um, it's really hard to find it. I watched it, I like on VHS or something. Like it was ridiculously mm -hmm. hard to find, but they're also, Peacock is making another Regency era dating show. So that's it. Now I'll shut okay. up. Okay. Meg, <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because I had forgotten about that, but I totally watched that. I, I was obsessed. Yeah. Yeah, I was so obsessed with it because it was crazy and awesome. And I'd totally forgotten about that. So thank you for bringing that up. That's what I'm here to do is just not shut the hell up for Aaron and bring up other stuff. That's where my trauma comes from. Just kidding. That's why it's been so long since I've been on an episode and not just a live stream. <laughs> and Rebecca. So many of the ones that I was thinking of have been mentioned. Bridget Jones's diary, uh, Lost in Austin, uh, obviously Clueless, as I'd mentioned, that was kind of a jumping off point for me too, because I remember when the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma came out because of the success of adapting it to Clueless. And I'm not a huge fan of Gwyneth Paltrow's Emma. It didn't really work for me. I will say though, another one that we haven't mentioned uh, is really an adaptation of Jane Austen's life, which is becoming Jane. Yes, and I see Jackie going, yeah, 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 that one. I really enjoyed that because there are so many adaptations and have been for so long of Austen's work. And every, I think, if Jackie, correct me if I'm wrong, just about every novel has had some sort of screen adaptation. Um, even things that weren't finished. Like I saw, I watched Love and Friendship on... Yeah. I, and, I and the people who did Lizzie Bennett's diary on face on YouTube also did a version of Sanditon. Uh, yes. Which was, her. A new, yeah, there's a Sanditon. On and there, there's, there's been other Sanditon stuff, but yeah, there's many series yeah. of everything, but yeah. It got, but, that show but, got canceled and then brought, brought oh, back. Did it? Yeah. Really? Season two, but. PBS who I follow on Facebook Darren, and reminding me to watch Sanditon. <laughs> Theron or whatever, I can't remember the actor's name, um, isn't going to be in the second season, which will be really interesting, but I mean, the book Ooh. wasn't finished, so they can go wherever they want. That is, you know, that's kind of the thing about like when you have, when you have an author whose work has been like collected and preserved and everything that she wrote was like pretty well preserved, she's not missing a lot of those things. And she had so many novels that were published. Unlike like Mary Shelley, who both Susie and I fangirled over earlier. Um, I, I hate to say, I don't know of any other works of hers that were ever adapted the way that Frankenstein has been. Like They should do Matilda. They Matilda should. Is Matilda is interesting, but like a lot of her other stuff is a little weird. Yeah. Was she kind of a weird lady? 
she had a she had a life and i will uh, since i have brought up mary shelley and i have opened that frankenstein's laboratory one of my favorite books about mary shelley's life and her works is called the lady and her monsters and it is all about mary shelley's life and all of the scientific work that influenced her novel Frankenstein and it is fascinating uh absolutely fascinating especially since I work in the sciences and the like you could see all the pieces like throughout this book come together to and you can see how all of this influenced the novel of Frankenstein so plug for that one go find it at your local library or wherever you might find it the lady and her monsters but uh, coming back to becoming Jane (laughs) What I loved about the movie is that we do have, because we have so many of her letters and we have her writings about her personal life, I never got to see a lot of those adapted. And so it was nice to see a film about the author herself and see where all of those pieces of herself come into her characters as well as like just her own life. Because a lot of people I know were like, well, Jane Austen was just a romance writer she was not really uh, she was not really a big believer i don't think in the idea of true love in, in that sense and she i love that the film addresses that that she she makes a choice between love and her writing and it's it's a well done adaptation it's got anne hathaway in it and what's his name who plays mr tumnus james mcavoy James McAvoy, yes. I'm like, what's his name? He's also Professor X now, but not bald. <laughs> Sorry, James McAvoy. I'm sure, because he listens, so I'm sure he will forgive us. I'm sure he does. That. And now yes. he's going to at me. Yes. We have all the big all the big names listening to us. Susie? So I was going to mention this, but then Meg mentioned this, and now I'm just floundering in the sea by myself. But Austin Land is a really fun adaptation. It would be me. I would also get the copper package <laughs> if I were ever to go to a, an Austin theme park. <laughs> but also, like in the vein of like Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, there's also Sense, Sensibility, and Sea Monsters, <laughs> where Colonel Brandon has like a he's described to have like a Davy Jones kind of face <laughs> with all the tentacles. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's like a whole thing where like sea monster. Yeah, it's a it's it's a read. I recommend. There's also like other books that they've adapted as well, but just like those main two are just oh my gosh, Clueless, of course. One of one of my favorite movies. So good, y'all. If you haven't seen Clueless, I don't think you've lived yet. So just you know, you have not lived. Yeah, after this, go watch it and then come back and listen again. (laughs) And then go listen to our episode discussing Clueless. Yes, (laughs) do a whole thing. It'll be great. You'll have fun. Make yourself some popcorn. Enjoy the viewing and listening experience. There's also, well, um, I mentioned Mr. Malcolm's List. It is a book and there's a short of it on YouTube that I think Refinery29 made. And that was so successful that they're going to make it into a movie with a, for with, for the most part, uh, a POC cast. 
playing all the main characters, which is so great, and I'm really excited for it. I'm just gonna end it. Okay. <laughs> you are all adorable. That's all I want to say. <laughs> so is there one book, Jackie, that has not been adapted that you would like to see adapted? Or if there's not one that hasn't been, is there one that was and you didn't like the adaptation, so you want it to be done again? Okay. So there like that I've seen all I've seen all the adaptations of uh Jane Austen stuff and um and I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with most like I'm pretty happy with most of those. What I would like to see adapted is The Secret History of the Pink Carnation, which Becky brought up earlier. I think that would be amazing. Like Netflix, Bridgerton's big, do this too. Bast the Bastion Club series by Stephanie Lawrence, because that's all Napoleonic spies and stuff. And um, I think that would be really cool. And Tessa Dare's Spindle Cove. I think it's the Spindle Cove series. It's the spinsters. Uh, it's a series that's all about like different spinsters all living together in this little cove community. And um, I've really enjoyed those books. Um, and I think like all of those, they're all like, they're a series where there's lots of different romances and they could be done in, this, in a similar way to to how Netflix has done Bridgerton. And I'd love to see more stuff done like that because I think that's a, like, there's a huge gap in the te television market where they're ignoring, where they're ignoring this, this um, genre that's so popular among women in the fiction, like book publishing world and i think that tv's largely ignored it and gone oh no you don't need to actually see that and so i'm hoping that bridgerton will help make it so that other things like this become made awesome awesome and meg um so i mentioned a series i like the sherbrooke um series by katherine coulter i think that would be a similar it would be a I don't think it will happen because it'll be fairly, it would be very similar to uh, Bridgerton kind of in that format, but they're all really similar. Um, but I just, I love, I like the family. I love their stories. I love how all the characters interact and, and the, there's, like I said, there's 11 books in the series. So there's a lot and it's not strictly Regency. It takes place in the 18th century, but it's a book called the gentleman's guide to vice and virtue. And it's about a bisexual gentleman who is like 17, I think. And he goes on an adventure with his best friend that he's also in love with. And it's just, it's a really lovely story and book. And I really don't think there's nearly enough LGBTQIA plus representation in this era, especially. Like Bridgerton has like a little dash of it here and there and i and i know that there's like rumors that they're gonna make one of the siblings lgbtq but i but i think that's something that's like a gaping hole within the genre itself not even like media wise but book wise also i feel like there's it's just it's not right but a gentleman's guide to vice and virtue is a very fun ya book and i think it would make a really fun movie and rebecca I agree. I I was actually just thinking about that. I'm like, you know, 
since Bridgerton, um, for better or for worse, uh, depending on how you want to read this series, um, way of incorporating people, uh, persons of color, people of color into the Regency, you know, fantasy universe here, I would love to see some more LGBTQIA plus representation. I would, I, that's actually one of the things that I found really a lot of fun and kind of uh, an interesting take from Lost in Austin was that Catherine Bingley (laughs) was secretly a lesbian. (laughs) And it was one of those things that we're like, you know, she always goes, I never understood that her character. And when they bring in the idea that she is a closeted, uh, closeted lesbian of the time, she's like, that makes so much more sense for her. (laughs) And it's one of the things that I've really loved about playing the a good society game with Jackie and with our other friends over the pandemic is that you have the freedom within this game to not adhere strictly to ideas of gender of the past. So we've had characters that I've played characters that were bi or that, you know, were paired with women in our storylines and it's really freeing to be able to there's so much that we love about as fans of this as we've put it it is not strictly historically accurate most of this Mm -hmm. media it is a fantasy version of this period of history and it's really it as long as we're you know making a fantasy out of it why shouldn't we have people of people of color why shouldn't we have better gender diversity and sexuality diversity the thing that kills me is those people they all existed exactly yeah like Like, it's it's not it's not like a a fantasy series to to (laughs) acknowledge the fact that people of color didn't just appear in the 1960s or something like that For That's the 1860s, you know what I mean? Those those yeah. people all existed. LGBTQ people existed. There were exactly. there were secret societies within the Regency era. There, um, oh, yeah. and let me bring up Outlander again. The John John Gray, who's a character in Outlander, has his own series, and he's a gay protagonist. And and these books follow him as he's trying to navigate being a gay man in this is again 1700s. Um, mm-hmm. But the idea that it has to be some weird historical fantasy to see this representation is frankly bullshit because those mm-hmm. people yeah. were there and they deserve yeah. to have their story told. Absolutely. Yeah, and exactly. One of the problems with the romance genre as it exists right now is that it is very, it is still very heteronormative, especially historical romance. You can find contemporary mm-hmm. romance that is queer but you can't find historical queer romance as easily and you're like like that that is like a giant gaping hole and it is something that i would like to see more done yeah well and one of there's a fan fiction actually this is where i like if i want to see if i want to read that fan fiction is kind of where you have to go um there's a fan fiction called an assembly such as this and that one in particular takes place in when it was still very the homophobia and everything and it was very closeted characters and it, like a secret arrangement had to be made um but there are other ones where the author is just like you know what this is my my writing in this area this didn't matter a gentleman needed to marry someone it didn't matter if it was a man or a woman because homophobia doesn't exist 
in this world. And that's, I guess, where we come with the historical fantasy is the idea that they could just be openly queer and live their lives. But um, yeah, finding queer historical romance is really, really difficult. And Susie, are there ones that you want to see adapted? Well, yes, uh, to just like touch on everyone else's point, like I would love to see queer and queer Regency romance stories and even like more POC in Regency fiction or like any work of like fiction that we get because they did exist and it's and it's important to see one like on stage on screen in literature because it just it it's it just it does someone so much good and it's it's like you have nothing to lose from it and you're just putting out more positive and wonderful things into the world that a lot of people are going to enjoy. So heck yeah, let's get it. But uh, back to my nonsense, um, I would like to see a version of Sense, Sensibility, and Sea Monsters. <laughs> Give me all the weird, like, steampunk fish people. <laughs> yes. Give me those tentacles. I want to see them. It'll be it'll be a fun time. Well, as we were talking about Mary Shelley's work, or like how Frankenstein, I think, has been the only one of her works to be adapted. I think it'd be interesting to see an adaptation of one of her other stories, The Last Man, um, which is also kind of very topical to what is going on in the in this day and age. Which, for those that may not know, The Last Man is the story of. The characters within it dealing with a pandemic <laughs> that sweeps the globe. <laughs> it would it would be interesting. The funny part is is that at the time it was regarded as like a piece of like prophecy fiction, so people didn't want to print it until like oh, the nineteen yeah. sixties. So that's was, what happened. When that's someone what was happened. like, "Hey, maybe this isn't this isn't like prophetic work. Why don't we print this?" <laughs> And a mere oh, 60 funny. years later. Lo and behold. It's, I said 1960, not 1860. 60 years after 1960 was 21. 2020. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Yeah, I'm not good. I didn't go to school for math. I don't know. Why did you make me math, Meg? Sorry, I've been helping my third grader with her math. So I was able to calculate that real quick. No, it's fine. Thank you. Because numbers for me just go. But, and I think this was also like one of the very first like dystopian pieces of fiction. So Mary Shelley can also be considered the mother of dystopian fiction. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. We're collecting all the bingo cards tonight. (laughs) Speaking of Mary Shelley, have you, have you, for Becca and Susie, have you guys seen the episode of Doctor Who? That has Mary Shelley in it. Because I got so excited. I've been waiting for a Regency Uh episode of Doctor Who. And it took them so long. But they finally did it with Jodie Whittaker. (gasps) I must watch. Yeah. I would have been a nightmare to be like the Doctor's companion. Because I would have been like, Mary, let me tell you about this. (laughs) That's exactly like, why she wrote that prophetic book. Yeah, yeah like you didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, she wrote it because she met the doctor she and knew. she knew it was coming. Uh, 
Like, wow. it's so nice to see some Regency rep. The Victorian era gets so much. Victorian so era. Much. Yes. Yes. So and they much. finally went oh back. God. They finally actually did an episode. Unfortunately, Jane Austen still isn't in it. Even though, I, I swear, they referenced meeting her in one of the one of the episodes at one point. But they never actually had a Jane Austen episode. But this got pretty close. There was Byron and Mary Shelley. And it's it's amazing. <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, I want to thank all four of you because this has been fun for me to listen and watch everybody's face. I wish I wish the audience could see everybody's faces while we were doing this because it was pretty amazing uh, just to watch everyone fangirling, but also just feeling like, I don't know. That's the thing is that I love being able to watch people love what they love and being able to celebrate what they love and nobody judging them for what they love because nobody should judge anyone for what they are fans of. So, you know, as long as it's not hurting anybody and as long as it's not, I want to say that by saying that, but shouldn't, you know, judge people for that, for what makes them happy because there's so little sometimes it feels like in this world that might make you happy. So if you have those other things that do, and also if you have those things that make you feel seen in any way uh, that make you feel heard, make you feel anything like that. Um, one of the many, many reasons that I love doing this podcast that I wanted to start doing this podcast. So just wanted to throw that in there. So thank you all for being on here. And before we do our closeout, I just want to say this is dropping on Friday, December 17th, which is the two-year anniversary of this podcast. And I cannot believe <laughs> this podcast has been going. Thank you for the, the clapping. Um, I cannot believe this podcast has been going for two years, only because it just it just blows my mind sometimes. So I'm going to try and just quickly say a brief thank you without getting emotional. We will see how this goes. <laughs> It's me. So yeah, Meg looks very doubtful that this will happen, <laughs> but I'm going to try not to. So I just want to say quickly to anyone who has ever listened to this podcast, even if you listened for like five minutes, it really does mean the world to me. I This was a dream of mine for a long time to start this. And I almost started another one and that fell through. And then was able to start this one and have so many amazing panelists that have sometimes been on one episode, maybe like a bunch of them. And they're all amazing human beings who I have learned so much from through these past two years that it's just been an incredibly fun and amazing journey. And like I've mentioned before, the last decade of my life has been a very very hard de decade, very difficult decade. I'm still processing a lot of that. I had the death of a lot of stuff that I loved and cherished. And someday maybe I will get that stuff back. But having this podcast is sort of a way to get some of that, that artistic part of me, even some of the performer part of me with doing live streams, that kind of stuff, having that sort of back in my life in a safe way where I feel comfortable and where maybe eventually I can embrace it in another way. So I just want to thank everyone who's helped me on this journey. Um, I'll just quickly mention names. I should have written this down. I don't know why I didn't, but 
So I, I know I'm going to forget people. So I apologize. I will thank people that are on right now because they're right in front of me. But no, seriously, um, I want to say uh, Meg and Carla have been, I love Meg and Carla a lot. And just, I, I can't say too much or I won't be able to get through it. But thank you for being my good, good friends. I consider you family. And so I love you very much. And I'm going to stop there. I'll continue. And Susie, you're just, you're so sweet and beautiful and you make me feel better about myself. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you've said before you want to be me and I'm like, I don't know why anyone would want to be me, but thank you for saying that because it's so sweet of you. Rebecca, you haven't been on as many of these lately, but still you were there in the beginning. So thank you very much for supporting this and for listening and for just being supportive of this podcast is incredible. So thank you. And Jackie, I'm glad you could come on. <laughs> so she's like, <laughs> you get to be on an emotional moment, but thank you for joining. And hopefully we'll have you back on, on more and then other people to thank the amazing Aaron Amos, who is my producer and who does so much that people don't know about behind the scenes and who has created some amazing designs on Redbubble. She's still working on some others that are going to come out. One I haven't premiered yet, which is it's a fanfic thing, which probably will be available now. But we have it's a Destiel thing, uh, which is in green and blue. <laughs> Destiel's green and then the microphone's blue. And we also have it's a Christian, Christian effing Bale thing because Christian fucking Bale is our unofficial mascot. So we have to have merchandise for him. But look for soon. There will be. It's a fandom thing. It's it's gonna happen. <laughs> it's a horror thing. Will be coming out as well as a few others. So look for those. I'll be broadcasting them on social media. I want to thank my lovely podcast brain twin Jen, who I would not have met without Meg. <laughs> don't worry, Meg. I don't forget that. <laughs> I mean, really, we bonded over things that I didn't have a lot of people to really talk about certain things with. So I really appreciate her for lots and lots of reasons. And she's just so much fun and she's funny. And I love you, Jen. And I'm really glad that you're my life. Tiff, who I, I love Tiff so much. And she's one of the original Mindy Project crew. So along with Meg and Carla and then also Jackie who is going to be on a few episodes next year already scheduled too. So, and I, I love Jackie. Jackie is a pure heart and very sweet. And so shout out to her as well. A uh, big shout out to Sasha. You know why Sasha, but big shout out to you, Sasha. I, I love you very much. Judy, Jill, Megan, <laughs> not Meg again, but Megan. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> I get to thank you twice. I'm thanking you twice. <laughs> Ishelle from Liberty Diner Dish, who I just adore you. She's going to be on next week. It's just going to be, I think, her and I talking about Hallmark movies. So it's going to be cheesy galore, but hey, <laughs> it'll be fun. To Tanya, who is smarter than I could ever hope to be. Someday I will be as smart as you are, Tanya. <laughs> So thank you for inspiring me and being so smart and wonderful to Bex from 
Big Reputations Pod, who has been on quite a few episodes since her first one, Superstore, and she's on a few for next year as well. So thank you so much to Paula, the amazing Paula, who was my right hand during the horror trivia event, my right hand in a lot of those kind of things. She does a lot of stuff too to help. So thank you so much. You're amazing. Love you. And I do want to thank Wizard um, Studios for finding us and being like, yes, we want you to be part of our podcast network. So thank you. And thank you, James, specifically for that. That meant a lot to MJ and to Sarah. Thank you so much to Sarah. Oh, to Danelle, to Angela, the lovely, wonderful Angela, who I, I love you too. But anyway, thank you everyone for supporting, for listening, for being there, for, you know, pushing me. So I really, really appreciate it a lot. So thank you so much. And we'll go ahead and close out. So go around and just everybody can tell me where they can be found, Jackie. Okay. I'm not super active on social media right now, but you can find me on Instagram at JaxReads and it's J-A-X-X-R-E-A-D-S. Awesome. Thank you so much. And Meg? Yeah, you can find me personally on the Twitter, mostly at Wisconsin Act. And I'm not going to spell it this time because <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> um, but you can find Carla and my podcast, Bed, Wed, Behead, um, on Instagram at bed.wed.behead.pod, on Twitter at bedwedbeheadpod, on the Facebook on, for Bed, Wed, or Behead. And you can find us on Redbubble, too, if you want to buy our shit. <laughs> My coffee mug is still one of my favorites. I've got the tall one, but it's still one of my favorite mugs ever. Yeah, and that's about it. Awesome. Thank you. And Rebecca? I'm also not super active on the social medias, but if you message me, I probably will respond, and it might actually get me more active. Uh, so if you want to tell me why I should not defend Wuthering Heights anymore... <laughs> I will happily go head to head with you about that over Twitter at Rebecca Jacobson on Twitter. Or if you want to send me some recommendations for some good LGBTQ Regency era fanfic, I would love to see a fic in which Charlotte is actually a lesbian and her arrangement with Mr. Collins is one of those understanding marriages because they're both secretly queer. If you have one of those, you could probably send it to me over on Instagram at RebeccaLove545, and I would happily read that. <laughs> Thank you. And Susie? Well, yes, you can find me on the Instagram and the Twitters. Find me on the Tweeters at SusieQ underscore SC, and there's an additional underscore for Instagram. And my dog's Instagram is Benny underscore pelucita I, I, I don't, it's been a while since <laughs> I looked at it <laughs> awesome yeah and if you ever have trouble finding anybody we are following them on social media so you know you can just go to our socials and find their socials there as well so and this is Erin you can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty the E and the A and the B are capitalized be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. 
you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And just a couple of quick things. Uh, if you want to tune in this Sunday night, yes, we're doing a Sunday night one, Sunday the 19th. We are doing Christmas movies, so it'll be a fun, relaxed episode. Meg, Carla, and then Lauren and Rachel from the Sort of Brilliant podcast will be on. So that's a packed panel. We are not going to go till 10 o'clock at night, <laughs> my time. We probably will for some other people's time, but <laughs> because it's starting at like 6.30 Mountain Time. So <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be fun. So I'm looking forward to that one. But the podcast episode of that will drop next Friday. But next Wednesday, like I mentioned, we are going to be covering Hallmark movies as well. So next week is my is I'm let I'm calling it the cheesy week. <laughs> and I mean that in the best way possible. So that'll be fun. And then um, on the 2nd, January 2nd, so that's another Sunday, we're going to be doing a special end of the year live stream. It's only a live stream. It's not going to be a podcast going over some of my favorite moments we might have some blooper reels stuff like that it'll be just a very relaxed fun laid back episode and then of course reminders that every thursday starting at 7 p.m mountain standard time six pacific eight central nine eastern we do our live tweets of the new season of dexter new blood and then we do live streams right after the live streams have been a blast except for when jen and carla decide to tease me mercilessly and then meg joins in in the comments but hey that's part of my life now i get teased constantly now <laughs> constantly. it's all out of love <laughs> it's 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 i've made a few youtube videos about that so you can go check too. Um, but yeah, so that should be fun. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate.